Hello, good afternoon, and welcome to a new episode of Too Scared to Sleep. My name is Dylan. And my name is Jake. And we hope that we... I don't know. I can't do that voice for very long. Nice. I I got one that I'm better at. (laughs) I can't formulate thoughts while you make that voice. Or while I make that voice. Whatever do you mean, Jake? It just comes naturally. You know what comes naturally? Power Hour on WKRX. Greater Cincinnati. All the metal hits. Hail Satan. That comes natural. That's fair. You do that one better. I, I wish I could get that voice better than you but you got that one it's all those years in divinity school (laughs) eventually you reach a point where you like get so religious that it helps you switch that little absolutely uh, knob into the sacrilege that's exactly what happened it's per it's the next evolution it really is you're like the x-men of religious people it's like my final form exactly how many times have you seen mortal kombat (laughs) <laughs> three three times oh my god the movie fucks man i don't know enough about the characters i don't remember enough about the characters to know what the fuck is going on i am heavily invested as some of you may know from episode one of cinema surgeons oh i know no one ever needed to research mortal Kombat annihilation the way that you did but i did i did that for you and i did that for the listeners you got no monetary bonus you didn't get a grade on it but you did it anyway. I did it anyway. Yeah. You, you did it for the fans. No, but I do love the Mortal Kombat movie. I think it's a lot of fun. Um, the only things that I would say is some of the characters wasn't crazy about and some of the costumes I wasn't crazy about. <clears throat> I could see that. That being said, I could make a better Mortal Kombat movie. I could make a real good Mortal Kombat movie. <laughs> and I am thinking about it. Uh, I was talking to my friend Zoe the other day uh, about Mortal Kombat, um, and I kept, like, we were talking back and forth as we were watching it, and, you know, I was, like, going over the the couple issues that I had with it, and I was like, man, I would change this and this and this. She was like, just write your own fucking Mortal Kombat Mm -hmm. movie. And I was like, I will. I Like, I like this movie a lot, but I'll write a better Mortal Kombat movie. I'll write the best goddamn Mortal Kombat movie anyone's ever seen. It sounds like a great idea. Yeah. You ought to. I I fucking will. I that one, and then like there's two other ones that I was had some ideas for that I'm working on. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. You ought to, and I'll be right there with you. Hell yeah, brother. Hell yeah, brother. You know what's awesome is um is meeting anyway. I don't know. Not meeting the fans. Meeting our listeners and talking to our listeners. It's mm-hmm. just the one of the most gratifying experiences for me when it comes to the podcast i remember a couple of months ago when we first got on tiktok we've got we got a we got a a follow and we followed back somebody named caitlin who lives in maine and i was like in i sent you know like hey thanks and you know if you ever have any scare any scary stories or you have topic ideas send them to us and then she like sent a thumbs up back and then i sent her like a TikTok, and then she sent me a TikTok, and I was like, I said, do you like, you know, paranormal and true crime? And she's like, oh, I'm a listener. And I'm like, you are? And she says, hell yeah, brother. And I'm hell like, yeah, oh, brother. hell yeah, brother. God, so I love that. That right there, either hell yeah, brother, or hail Satan have become a thing where mm-hmm. everybody knows that that's us. God, I respect the shit out of that. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we celebrated Hex and Nut. Yes, we did, and it was super fucking cool. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was raining its ass off, so we didn't get to light a fire, which was a little bit of a bummer, but we had some mead, and that shit was delicious. <laughs> we did have some mead, which was crazy. It was actually really good. Thank I you. I didn't know. I should not, I should not have... Um, I should have assumed that you could make mead, that you would know how to make mead. Yeah, you would think that you would know that by now, but, mm-hmm. you know, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really good. Um, it got it all mulled up with some spices, put, put some orange slices and some orange peel in there, got some ginger, some cloves, some allspice, some cinnamon, mixing it all up, get it ready to go. Got some tea spices, some mulling spices, delicious, it tasted very a good lot. shit. It tasted a lot like wassail. Yes, it did. Now, we live in a German town, so we know what wassail is, but if you don't know what wassail is, it's like a spiced tea, but it also has a lot of citrus in it, and it's pretty good. And uh, the mead that you made tasted pretty much like that. It was pretty good. Yeah, it did. My whole apartment smelled like wassail, and it was really great. It just Here felt Christmassy. Wassailing among the seeds of green, or something like that. Oh, boy. Hey, I almost got catfished. 
Remember oh, I that's you right. Yeah, you did. Oh, my God. I forgot to update you. What? Um, so my friend Alexis got the exact same message verbatim that you did. The only thing that was changed was some of the names. But she oh got the exact God. same message, word for word, including the pictures. How could you not tell me that? I completely forgot. It was super late when I found out. But, oh, my God. I was. I immediately commented. I was like, my friend Jake just got this fucking thing, too. This is great. Isn't that weird? She's getting around, man. Yeah, it was like a random text message. It was like, <laughs> hey, Tony, it's Mang. Um, I was down visiting my aunt a couple of weeks ago when we matched on Tinder, but we never got around to getting coffee. Are you still interested in meeting up? So I sent, I immediately sent it to Dylan. I'm like, look at this. Mm-hmm. Look what's happening. Because <laughs> uh, it's, it's, you know, 100%. It's never, this, you're being catfished. There's no oh, way yeah. that this is real. But you might as well just go along for it. And so we went along for it for about 15 minutes, and it got boring, and we just we just blew it off and never got any other messages, which is fine. I don't care. But it was weird. But I, it's so crazy that your friend I know, also yeah. got the same messages with the same photos. Yeah, the exact same thing. I was like, hold the fucking phone. Oh She's God. cheating on you. The catfish was cheating, cheating on, on you, Jake. Oh, my God. And here I would thought it was true love. Oh, man. We hate to see it. <clears throat> We rode our motorcycles again today. Yes, we did, because it was raining its ass off the last two days, and it finally cleared up enough for us. Yeah, we had, like, what, tornado warnings on Friday, and then it was flash flood warnings all day yesterday. three or four flash flood warnings Mm -hmm. yesterday. Mm -hmm. It was fucking ridiculous. And then today, it was beautiful and sunny and warm and not a cloud in the sky, and it's all thanks to climate change. Hip, hip, hooray. But it's funny because we talk about we ride at dawn. But when I say that we ride at dawn, there's an asterisk after the word dawn. Because dawn means uh, 2 o'clock in the afternoon because Dylan is nocturnal. Yes. So there is no (laughs) early morning motorcycle ride. No. Because Dylan doesn't wake up like a normal man. Unless by early morning, uh, Jake means 5 in the morning because that's shortly before I go to bed. So I could do that. I usually wake up at 5 in the morning. And, like, get on my phone, and I'm looking at TikTok, or I'm texting people, or I'm sending messages, and then I go back to sleep. It's so weird. Boo. All right, let's talk about the battle for New Braunfels. Ah, yes. Let's talk about the battle for New Braunfels. Listeners, this, uh, if you've been watching what's been going on this last couple of days, um, I have we have a friend who lives in, uh, in a town that's only 30 minutes away from us. It's called Seguin. In, near San Antonio, they're they're further to the east than we are. We're the we're to the north and west, or no, north and east of San Antonio, and they're further east. And Seguin is not as affluent as New Braunfels, where we live. And Seguin has a higher minority uh, count than New Braunfels does because New Braunfels people are historically racist. New Braunfels is like an old white person retirement village, essentially. Mm -hmm. It's grown a little bit in the last couple years, but it's still, at its roots, a retirement community for old racists. Think of, like, Florida or Sun City. Yeah, exactly. One of those places. Just less gators. Yeah. You remember the movie Cocoon? Like that. (laughs) Only more racist. Yeah. 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 Cocoon, but where they where they shoot the aliens. Anyway, <laughs> so we have a friend who lives in Seguin. A lot of people, here's what happens to a lot of people. A lot of people who are from out of the area, especially out of state, start to look for houses and they realize that in order to buy a three-bedroom house, you need like three hundred and fifty to $400,000 to buy a house, a tiny house here in New Braunfels where you get like your your neighbors your neighbor is like six feet away from you and you get like a closet size a walk-in closet size backyard and front yard right yeah but for the same amount of money you can get twice the acreage and twice the house in Seguin, texas Mm -hmm. and so people flock to Seguin, especially like um service people and commuters because Interstate 10 goes through Seguin, and so you can get to San Antonio, you can get to the Air Force Base, you can run up to Austin, and it's faster to go to these places. And so on paper, it looks like a great place to live, but Seguin is a shithole, and there isn't anything to do there. <laughs> there aren't any good restaurants, there aren't any, there's no live music, there's nothing. Like, it's just horrible, and it's depressed, and people who end up living in Seguin 
will buy houses over there and within three or four years they they get tired of living there and they try to move over this direction um and this happened to our friend kina because she moved here from arkansas and her husband i think he's in the air force or he's he, he was in the Air Force, or maybe he's still in the Air Force, but they moved there just like all the other people because it, on paper it looks like a great place to live. The houses are not that expensive. The property taxes are lower. You've got Interstate 10 and driving back and forth, and it's not as crazy populated as it is over here, but you move over there and you realize that you're living in the shithole. The funny thing is she has her own podcast. It's called the Historical AF Podcast, Historical as Fuck Podcast, and it's really funny, and she has guests on all the time. Well, she went to the Renaissance Fair um, maybe, maybe a month ago go or less and she bought herself a crown a $20 crown and it looks pretty good and then she posted a TikTok of herself and she's like I look so good in my crown in her Arkansas accent I'm exaggerating I'm hoping that she listens to this episode just so she can hear me exaggerate her Arkansas accent I, I should be so. TikToking myself right now I look so good in my crown I feel powerful I think I'm think I'm gonna send she doesn't really talk like this she goes I think I'm gonna send an invading army to the neighboring city and take over sorry New Braunfels and I was like what the fuck shots a declaration fired. of war a declaration of war you really want to go toe-to-toe get up chucky we'll go toe-to-toe <laughs> so i think it over like for one day or less than and i'm like you know what we're going to respond so i went out to the garage and i got myself a piece of those you know those foam squares that you uh buy at harbor freight to put down on the ground mm-hmm. well they all have a bordering corner around them that has that waffle uh, matching pattern you know like a zipper and so you can pull one of those off and then tape it in the back and then i spray painted it silver and i made myself a crown and i got on our tiktok and i commented on that video i stitched it i learned how to do that because i'm so old i didn't know how to fucking do that oh <clears throat> and i stitched it and i was like and here i thought we were friends but you get yourself a crown you go to ren fair you get yourself a crown you get a little power hungry and all of a sudden you're ready to invade your brothels well we're ready come on over let's go and then we responded, and we responded, and then her her followers responded, and at some point she t- she goes out. You guys are insomniacs, and that's probably the best name for a group of listeners on the planet of any podcast. I mean, Murderinos is pretty close, Boozers and Shakers is pretty good, but Insomniacs, Insomniacs just it hits different. It's mm-hmm. so good. Her group of listeners is called the G- Giggle Water Gang. There's nothing cool about that name. It's not intimidating. Look at this crown I made. Oh, I know. See, I've been waiting for the right time to respond because you have been so like on top of it and so quick with the responses. I want to make a response because I have a very special crown of my own that I'm waiting to, to show off. But I don't. I haven't been able to get like the right timing for it because every time I think of an idea, I look and you already responded. You're just on top of it. Just do it anyway. I told you that you were gonna that you were gonna respond with your. Uh... With your bone crown, I know your necromancer <laughs> crown. Did you put? Did you see what I put this the, last time? The, the dude on the unicorn, because she's yeah. making fun of the unicorns. I was like, unicorns mm-hmm. are majestic AF. Oh <laughs> yeah, shade. throwing shade at the name, but it's fun. <laughs> we're having a good time. Kina's Kina's actually a really good friend, and we're gonna hang out at some point pretty soon because she's stir crazy because she hasn't been able to see anybody, and her family lives out of state, and she's got vaccinated for no reason because she doesn't go anywhere. Just like me, we're gonna hang out soon. But it was fun to be in a figurative um, feud all weekend long. Get a podcast been, turf war. A, per, a podcast turf war because she's real close. I mean, you know, when it comes to it. But, we can take her. But, you know, we have, listen, it's us here in New Braunfels. And then we've got UFO Jane. And she's got her YouTube show. And we've got Witchy Woman, which is Billy Corinne. And she's an actual practicing witch. Like, we have three content creators here in New Braunfels. Plus, we've got Midnight Paranormal in San Antonio that are on our side. So she's she's severely outnumbered if it comes to an actual turf war. Content creating turf war. She doesn't know what kind of shit show she's just walked into. No, you don't know the power of the dark side. You don't know. She's got no fucking clue. She's got no clue what she walked into. <laughs> you don't even know what you just stepped into. You don't even know. Yes, we love her and we love historical AF. Uh, she's great. The show is great, but also we will win in the war. Oh, yeah. This is all we've been waiting for. You know that I already have that streak in me. I mean, I didn't even get a soccer game, so obviously I was looking to fight fight about something <laughs> stupid this weekend. <laughs> and Kina just teed me right up. 
She was oh, there yeah. for me. She filled that void in my life. When one door closes, another opens, my friend. <laughs> That's right. The Dark Lord provides. The Dark Lord provides. Oh, my God. It's so gratifying to ride our motorcycles. Is it not? It's I can't get amazing. over it. Amazing, Guys, I'm sorry that we talk about it all the time, but let me tell you. A year ago at this time... Dylan had a bike, but it was not the best bike in the world, and I had no bike, and now we've got the bikes of our dreams. It feels so good. Everything about it just feels great. I mean, we have, like, we worked and we manifested that shit. We really did. And now we have Jake on a bike that he loves that runs again. We have me on the bike that I have been saving up trying to get for so long, and it's just, it's great. It's so good. We all we do pretty much is sit around and think about the next time that we're gonna go ride. Oh, I re- that's really all that we do. What you've had your bike for three weeks now? Just four mm-hmm. weeks ago, you were like, "Man, that one that, that one that I was looking at sold," and I was like, "Don't worry, that's not the one you need. We're gonna manifest your bike, and your bike is gonna show up." And less than seven days later, from when I said that, we got it. Why? Because the Dark Lord provides. The Dark Lord provides. The Dark Lord. Actually, I think that yesterday was a week. I think I've only had it for a week. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, within the first 24 hours of me having the bike, I put 100 miles on it, though. Yeah, for sure. Just all I did was ride that entire day. Maybe it's been a month since I've had my bike up and running. Yeah, it's been about that long since we fixed yours, I think. Oh, my God. But it was only, like, two weeks after um, that we went and got mine, which would have put it at about a week ago, I believe. For those of you keeping score at home, there aren't any more dating disaster stories because I don't need no exactly i really just it's taking a back seat it's not important anymore yeah all it is is for the ride i do have some mild updates but it's nothing good or that funny so i don't really know if it's worth bringing it (laughs) the problem is i match with people on tinder mostly because that's the majority of what i use um and they seem really cool and we have neat conversations and just not all of them but the majority of them have just been so flaky and i don't understand it like what bothers me more than just like you know ghosting me or canceling last minute is that like it's their idea to hang out sometimes so like if it was just me saying hey you should come over or something yeah that's creepy i can understand why you would ghost but if you're the one that's like hey we should hang out sometime and i'm like yeah you know if you want you know, we could go to the park or we could go get food or something. Like, you don't have to come over here. I don't have to go over there. You don't want to put any pressure golf. on it. Hmm? Miniature golf. Mini golf. Exactly. There are <gasps> options. Lunar bowling. You could bring both your balls. Oh, you got lunar bowling. Balls. Oh, good lord. Bring both your balls. Anyway. Um, Polish them right in front of her. No, oh, Jesus. Show them your prowess. Stop this. I'm sorry. I couldn't help it. Ugh. Anyway. Yeah, so there's been a, more than one, like, in the last couple months. Like, a handful of individuals who have just not done anything like we make plans the day comes and then i don't hear anything from them until the next day and they're like oh sorry i had to do this and this can we reschedule i was like oh yeah no problem let's reschedule and when it gets to about the third or fourth time that that happens i go okay you know what it's back to tinder we go (laughs) it just doesn't matter anymore but it doesn't matter because we've got the bike is the highway the only thing that matters is the ride. It's the ride. It's the ride, brother. I know. We turned into those guys. Oh, yeah. The grizzled old bikers who just sit around the bar by ourselves. Stop. <laughs> yeah, you know, I could have gotten married a couple years ago, but focusing on my art. Helmets are for pussies. <laughs> nah, man. I only wear shorts and flip-flops. That's right. I'm a squid forever <laughs> anyway enough about that <laughs> for those of you who never wanted to listen to those dating disaster stories anyway i'm glad that, i'm glad we can um we can move on from that yeah looking at you cade yeah cade <laughs> jerk oh he was so <laughs> upset about the john McClain score he messaged me he was like oh yeah and also fuck you i always worked for flops and i'm always ready to fight <laughs> <laughs> i didn't know about that that's hilarious i forgot about that Oh my god. He was so offended. <laughs> Cade, flip-flops will always be a negative 25 on the John McClane score. He always wears flip-flops or Crocs. Oh my god. I know Crocs provide more protection around the foot, but I feel like those take away 
even more points in the flip-flops just because they're Crocs. Cade, we're going to find ourselves a police attack dog, and we'll do a foot race, and we'll see how fast, <laughs> we'll see how far you get in your flip-flops or your Crocs, and we'll see about your John McLean score. Because <laughs> it's going to be bad. You're going to have a bad time. Enough about that. I'm sorry. You ready to go? Do you have your topic? I do have my topic. Flip-flops. Come on, flops. Give your balls a tug. Give your balls a tug, Jesus. serious. Are you ready for the topic of your life? I'm ready for the topic of my life. I can't wait. I know what it is, and I'm so excited. I know. We talked about this earlier because we stopped to go get pizza before our ride. Um, And I need to make sure that we hadn't done this topic yet because I was i wasn't sure and i'm confused as how we haven't done it sooner but here we are we are talking about annabelle the doll annabelle the doll here we go the true story of annabelle the doll not the shitty movie not the shit god james wan come on stop it stop doing this to us james wan isn't even the one doing it he did conjuring and conjuring 2 both of those movies fuck hard and then everything else was handled by other people who don't know what the fuck they're doing so, you keep Juan's name out your mouth. I will say, though, like, just keep going, because this isn't even about the topic. I was about to move it into a movie podcast. Let's keep moving. Oh, I'm my sorry. God. We stopped that one. It's, just, it's, like, it's great to have Ed and Lorraine Warren in movie form. It is great, though. I do love them very, very much. I don't understand how... I mean, I guess we're getting to hear their story in each of these Conjuring movies, but at the same time, how do we not just have the Conjuring, comma, the life of the Warrens? Because I'd watch that movie so many times. I'd watch that movie so hard. I'd be on that shit in a minute. Mm -hmm. Do a four-hour release like the Snyder Cut. Just give us the whole thing. Mm -hmm. I want start to finish. I want all of it. Exactly. Give me everything. I'm not coming back for 30%. I'm coming for it all. I'm coming for it all. I'm sorry. Keep going. Alrighty. We are talking about Annabelle Doll. So we are going to take it back uh, 51 years to 1970. Way back in the day day. That's a long time ago. It is. Uh, for so in, it is. For, what? Not, I mean, for me, not so much. But keep going. <laughs> Um, in 1970, a nurse named Donna was celebrating her 28th birthday when she was given a Raggedy Ann doll as a present from her mother. Oof. She immediately fell in love with it. She took it back to the apartment that she shared with her roommate, another nurse named Angie. Right after celebrations were done and as the days went on, she would usually just leave the doll sitting on her bed. But almost immediately, they began noticing that something was off with the toy. Bum, bum, bum. I'll post a photo of a Raggedy Ann doll so you guys know how creepy these things look anyway. (laughs) I know. Because they look creepy as fuck. Now, I will say the movie version is pretty creepy, but it's Hollywood creepy. There's something even more deeply upsetting about it just being a plain Raggedy Ann doll. (laughs) Yeah. So... As the spooky shit began, we started, or they started seeing that the doll was in different spots almost every day. Sometimes more than once a day, it would change spots from where they had set it down last. Uh, It was moving all throughout the apartment, never in the spots that it was left in, and sometimes traveling into completely new rooms. A few times, Annabelle moved from the living room or couch area to inside of Donna's closed room. Like, they left it on the couch, her room was closed, with the door shut, mm-hmm. then the doll was in there. Yeah. How? Who knows? It's the devil. Oh my god. Little brats walking around the house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would be found sitting on her bed or other places in the room. Sometimes, they even saw what looked like the doll standing on its legs before they looked again and saw that it was sitting down now. <sighs> spooky dolls spooky dolls dolls are already spooky enough like poltergeist with the with the clown doll oh yeah scared the shit out of me as a kid yeah that was good shit um and my stacks of uh haunted dolls that i have in my kitchen (laughs) on my cabinets shout out to iris for giving me most of those i don't know how people can do that uh very easily So, many of Donna's friends got bad feelings from the doll, but one friend in particular, 
somebody known as Lou specifically told her that she needed to get rid of the doll because he felt something very bad coming from it. Why didn't you listen to Lou? She, she should listen always to listen to Lou. Always listen to Lou. Fucking Lou knows what he's doing. Lou knows what he's doing, and poor Lou. It does not get better for him as the story goes on. No. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Um, but of course, Donna did not get rid of the doll, and eventually, Donna and her roommate started finding roughly written notes written in torn parchment paper, which, it should be noted, they did not keep in their house. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. These mm-hmm. messages read things along the lines of, help us, and some of them even said, help Lou. Oh, God. Poor guy. <laughs> Fucking Lou. Oh, boy. I think at that point, you just have to decide, I can no longer be friends with these individuals. <laughs> yeah, why do you keep going to the house, Lou? If you... I don't know, man. If you had a friend, and they had a spooky doll, that would be one thing. But if it ever gets to the point where the spooky doll starts traveling around the apartment, and then writing a note that says that you need help, no? Yeah. Time to find new friends, Lou. Time to find new friends. Don't go back to the house, Lou. Uh, And as time went on, the roommates began noticing drops of what looked like blood Hmm. appear on the chest and hands of the doll, leading them to perform a seance with the help of a medium. Not a good idea, but keep going. Yes, let's keep going. Let's just make it worse. Good job, guys. Oh, yeah. So during the seance, they were able to begin communication with the spirit or with a spirit that identified itself as a seven-year-old girl named Annabelle Higgins. Spoiler alert. It's never a seven-year-old girl. It's never a seven-year-old girl. It's never a beautiful 30-year-old blonde. It's always a dude. And it's never a seven-year-old girl trapped in a doll. It's It's always the devil. (laughs) But keep going. It's a total white person thing to do. Fair. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Now, the spirit of the seven-year-old girl, Annabelle Higgins, um, once she began this line of communication with the people, uh, she had actually said that she was happy living there because she felt loved by Donna and Angie. She wanted to stay in the doll to keep living with them. And here's the kicker. The medium that they brought in that was doing the seance for them even confirmed that the vibe that she got from Annabelle was of a young girl, a harmless spirit who just wanted to feel love and comfort. That's some bullshit right there. That's some bullshit right there. That is some bullshit. Upon hearing this, Donna, who felt bad for the little girl, spoke directly to the spirit of Annabelle and gave her permission Mm -hmm. to live Mm -hmm. in the doll Mm -hmm. with them. Mm -hmm. You done fucked up, Donna. Donna. God damn it, Donna. Donna, you goofed. You idiot. Yeah, I knew that was coming. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, despite Angie and Donna feeling sorry for the doll, uh, or for the spirit of the girl living in the doll, and believing that it didn't wish them any harm and it was just a sad little girl, the aforementioned friend Lou stayed hesitant of the doll and did not trust Annabelle, or who who she said she was. You know why? Because Lou knows what's up. Lou's on top of this shit. That's right. And one night... While staying over at Donna's apartment, he woke up from a nightmare to find himself in a state of sleep paralysis. Ooh, here it goes. Jake, I want you to look at me while I say this No, this is the best part of one. the story, and I already know where it's going, and I don't want, I don't want to look at you in the eye. <laughs> Go ahead. So he woke up to find himself in a state of sleep paralysis. That's right, he did. With Annabelle the doll sitting on his legs. Yes, there she was. And as he sat there in horror, he saw Annabelle start crawling up his legs onto his chest before reaching around his neck. Then he felt what felt like a pair of large hands strangling him until he blacked out. Annabelle's got man hands. Annabelle's got man hands. (laughs) And they're coming for your throat. Oh my god. Of course, when he woke up again the next day, he was horrified and convinced that what he experienced was real. Obviously. Yeah. And soon was scared again when he heard, or when he and Angie, who were packing for a trip at the time, heard the sound of a struggle in Donna's empty bedroom. And when they entered the room, there was no sign of anyone in there. No signs of a struggle, nothing out of place, except for the Annabelle doll, which looked like it had been thrown to the ground. 
Upon approaching the doll, poor sweet Angel Lou began feeling an intense sharp pain on his chest and blood started pouring through his shirt. Oh my god. When he opened his shirt, he saw three large, fresh, big boy claw marks across his torso, Mm -hmm. which appeared out of nowhere and began healing much faster than they should have. Within two days, they were completely gone without a trace. Hell yeah. I love this story. And I hate this story, but I also love this story. It's so good. Now, after hearing her friend Lou getting hurt so badly more than once within only a few hours span, Donna Donna decided that things had progressed too far. She got in contact with a priest, who then got in contact with another priest, who then got in contact with our good buddies, Ed and Lorraine Warren, baby! That's right. The grandmother and grandfather of all paranormal investigation. Hell yeah! The patron saints now. Mm -hmm. Rest in peace. They really are now. Oh, 100%. And after Ed and Lorraine showed up with their fucking big dick energy, they were doing an investigation of the home and the doll, and they did what they always do, which is be bad bitches and tell these fucking clowns how wrong they were. Mm-hmm. They explained that the doll cannot be possessed by a little girl as inanimate objects cannot be possessed, and the only thing strong enough to manipulate it to manipulate the doll this intensely, especially in such dark ways, had to be a demon who was in search for a human host, which, according to the Warrens, was only a few weeks away from coming to fruition. <sighs> Missed it by that much. Just a little bit. We we're so close. Oh yeah. Us. And there's a little bit of their direct testimony of the events, which reads as such. Spirits do not possess inanimate objects like houses or toys. They possess people. An inhuman spirit can attach itself to a place or object, and this is what occurred in the Annabelle case. The spirit manipulated the doll and created the the illusion of it being alive in order to get recognition. Truly, the spirit was not looking to stay attached to the doll. It was looking to possess a human host. That is directly from Lorraine Warren. Nice. Oh, yeah. And they had worked with a priest that Donna had called in in order to perform a blessing and an exorcism on the house in hopes of driving out the spirit. Now, it did take a good bit of work to get everything ready to go and doing some investigation, making sure that they had what they needed in order to get it taken care of. But when they tried to remove Annabelle the doll from the house so that they could cleanse the house and get the doll away from them, they found out how strongly Annabelle did not want to leave the home. That's right. Uh, When the Warrens were driving home, they felt their car fighting against them, swerving around the road, and the brakes delaying or becoming unresponsive until eventually they were able to stop. And that's when Ed was able to get his holy water, make a cross across the doll, which then allowed them to get home safely. But the hauntings did not cease. No, they did not. When in the home of Ed and Lorraine Warren, it continued its mysterious moving around the house, sometimes standing on its fucking legs again. Uh, at one point, it was levitating out of a chair near Ed's desk. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when the home was visited by Father Jason Bradford, an exorcist, he picked up the doll and said to it, You're just a rag doll, Annabelle. You can't hurt anyone. And then he threw it back down on the chair it was sitting in. <laughs> Uh, Now, Ed and Lorraine Warren both saw what had happened there, and they told him to be exceptionally careful when he was going back home and to call them to let them know, you know, when he eventually got back. Three hours after his departure, the Warrens got a call from Father Bradford, who said that upon hitting an intersection, his brakes went out and he got into a horrible wreck that totaled his car. And it said that Father Bradford told the Warrens that he saw Annabelle the doll in his rearview mirror right before he crashed. Oh my god. (laughs) Now, bizarrely enough, uh, automotive incidents are not uncommon amongst people who disrespect the doll. Um, There was one case that I've heard of in a couple different places, actually, um, of a man and his girlfriend who went to tour Ed Lorraine's... um, haunted museum in their home yes uh they were tapping on the case and they were making fun of annabelle like directly to its face 
Um, and eventually, of course, Ed saw this and asked them to leave the property. The man and his girlfriend got onto their motorcycle while they were still joking and laughing about Annabelle. Uh, and shortly after, got into a fatal accident, which killed the man and nearly killed his girlfriend. She eventually called back to Ed and Lorraine Warren to tell them what happened and to apologize for their behavior. Mm-hmm. But it was too late because her boyfriend was already dead. This, you know why? You know why this sounds familiar? Um, it's because it's there's so many similarities to Robert the Doll, which I, we did mm-hmm. in season one. Yeah, that's why we couldn't remember whether we'd son, we'd, we we had done Dan, Annabelle. Exactly. My next sentence is much like robert the doll it said that those who are disrespectful to annabelle have had a variety of vehicle related injuries even deaths along with strings of bad luck scratches and mm-hmm. other bizarre injuries mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah exactly. it's very very similar very similar. very intensely haunted doll <laughs> <clears throat> uh, but after a little bit of time the warrens decided that the best course of action would be to have a specialty case made for annabelle the doll when they placed her inside the case, they inscribed the Lord's Prayer and St. Michael's Prayer on the outside of the case. And this was something that I did not know. Um, throughout the remainder of his life, Ed Warren would stop by and say a binding prayer over the case just to make sure that the entity and the doll would stay trapped in there forever. He did that pretty frequently, actually. I remember reading about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and as of right now... That is where the doll has remained, still in its glass prison, still available for the world to see. Until eventually, it breaks free and takes its revenge on mankind. In Annabelle 2, Electric Boogaloo. (laughs) (laughs) Again with that shit. (laughs) Yeah, but that's it, man. That's Annabelle. I mean, there's lots of, like, small stories that you can find out about, you know, other people getting weird feelings going near it, but that was the origin and what led up to it being entombed in its glass sarcophagus, uh, hidden deep within the bowels of Ed and Lorraine Warren's home. Yeah, in their home, in their occult museum. Yeah, which I really, really want to go see. That'd be so cool. We gotta take a trip out there. We gotta ride out to Ed and Lorraine Warren's, uh haunted museum yeah i just need to get myself a gel seat for my bike because i'm an old man and my tailbone hurts <laughs> that's fair i wish i wasn't joking about that yeah it is what it is <laughs> but anyway that is annabelle the doll thank you all for coming i hope you had a wonderful day i hope that you're still having a wonderful day and we will be back in what will probably be just a few seconds mm-hmm And now we have returned from our very brief break, and I have come to let you all know that in the middle of this episode, we are changing our tone, and we are now a Christian podcast. We're here to talk about the good word of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. We've been turned. It finally worked. The people that have been messaging us and giving us dirty looks, they finally convinced us to go to the light. My mom and her prayers. (laughs) amazing grace do you know this one i don't know all of it how sweet the sound stop we are so sacrilegious it doesn't matter no of course it's a bunch of bullshit we're not doing that that's right anyway should i be more scared of him than the dark lord (laughs) anyway we are back we are going to talk about some more spooky shit of course we're not doing a fucking Christian radio station. What do we look like, Striper? Yeah, we were listening to Striper. You were making me listen to Striper. That's Let's some good real. shit. I'm gonna need to get it. I need to get myself a Striper T-shirt. You're a monster. I am a monster. What's funny is James Wan directed all of the Conjuring movies, and then um, he was the executive producer on the Annabelle movies, and he made Aquaman. And apparently, there's this one scene in Aquaman where they're where they're swimming past a uh, shipwreck. Oh yeah, and there's an Annabelle doll, and you can see the Annabelle the doll in there. Yeah, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I, I forgot cool. about that. I love that. Okay, are you ready for this? Oh my god, Dylan, have you ever heard of Doris Bither? Uh, no, you've never heard of Doris Bither, but I bet you've heard of her story before. Oh boy, Doris Bither was haunted. Love that. She was haunted by an entity. Okay, even better. Mm-hmm. 
This this allegedly occurred in 1974 in Culver City, California. Doris Bither claimed that she was plagued by poltergeist activity and that the spirits of three men were attacking and sexually assaulting her. Gee willikers. Mm -hmm. Her story was turned into a book called The Entity that was later on turned into a movie called The Entity with Barbara Hershey. All right. This is that story. Hell yeah. Yeah. All right. So to start off with, Doris Bither reportedly grew up in an abusive home with alcoholic parents and, according to sources, was a rebellious wild girl and was fascinated by the paranormal growing up. All right. Some of this can't be corroborated, but it's out there. It's in multiple sources, so we're going to go with it. She reportedly held seances and used a Ouija board when she was a teenager. She also began drinking and using drugs, and it wasn't long until her family ultimately ultimately threw her out and disowned her. Doris then reportedly had a number of failed relationships, several of which were abusive and eventually walked away a single mother of four, each child having a different father. That's that's neither here nor there. Don't be be throwing my Doris under the bus like that, okay? Times are rough. It's hard out here on these streets. It is hard out here on these streets. It's hard out here on these streets. No judgment. What Doris should have done is given up on given up on men and gotten herself a motorcycle like we did. That's fair. That's right. Okay, so fast forward to 1974. Doris is 33. She's got four children, three boys, 16, 13, and 10, and a girl who was six years old. Okay. They uh, packed up and moved to a rental house. On Braddock Avenue in Culver City, California. Um, As they were settling in, a strange woman of Hispanic descent (laughs) knocked on their door and told Doris that she used to live in the house. And this woman told Doris that it was evil and then, without further explanation, turned and left the house. Never to be seen again. Yeah, you gotta believe that shit. If you have an old Hispanic lady tell you that the house is evil, you should get your shit... And you should get out of the house. You An old Hispanic old lady. lady comes up and tells you that your fucking house is haunted and you need to leave? Like, she tells you that shit's evil? Mm-mm, no question. I'm out. I just remembered my great aunt just died today. And oh, she was one of the sorry. Last, I know. She was one of the last curanderas in my family. God, it sucks. We're losing out on that culture. Anyway, Damn. enough about that. Almost immediately, the family claimed to have begun experiencing paranormal and poltergeist activity. Doris reportedly experienced the first attack in which two male spirits held her down while another raped her. Ah! Her son, Brian, reportedly claimed that he heard the attack because his bedroom was next to his mother's, and he also saw the bruises on her inner thighs following the alleged spectral rape. This is trigger warnings all over the place oh my goodness reportedly the strange events in the house were also witnessed by other children uh, her other children neighbors and friends brian was quoted as saying the whole rape thing was real my room was right next to my mother's i would hear her attacks happening things being thrown her screaming then she would come out of the bedroom and have all these bruises on her legs and her inner thighs this is some dark shit right now fucking yikes there were times uh, where we would see it happen right in front of us. It was like if a man was standing in front of my mother and would start to beat her. Imagine a woman being beaten. You could see her being picked up and thrown around. Sounds, slaps, but there was no one there to actually do it. We all felt it too, pulling, biting, and scratching. We were all attacked. Did you watch The New Invisible Man? I did. I actually just recently rewatched that with my friend It's a pretty Camilla. good movie. They do a pretty good job at the movie screening really the guy good. out and having that ex- and I just I think about that. With yeah. This. God, that is horrifying. Mm-hmm. So Doris met with a couple of paranormal investigators and parapsychologists, a guy named Barry Taft and Carrie Grainer. Um, they met after Doris and a friend overheard their conversation at a bookstore where they were talking about their research. So Doris Bither told the pair that her house was haunted and that she needed help. She reportedly asked them if they would be willing to look into her home, and they were intrigued. They took her phone number, and they later came to her house to hear her story. When they arrived on August 22nd of 74, they reportedly found that the house was a mess, observing extreme disorder in household conditions, and and would also later find out that the house had been twice condemned. 
Not only that, but she had the the Doris was had had a contentious and and eroding relationship with her older sons. That just things were going bad, you know. Yeah, the family was in the family was just like stressed out to the point where they were all afraid and just crazy, and the house was a mess. Doris, here's the quotes uh, from the report. Doris was very evasive and somewhat cryptic regarding her background, so much so that she refused to even tell us her age, which we knew was older than ours, but not by how many years. Um, Had we pushed Doris hard to reveal more about her hellish past, such efforts on our part might have pushed us right off the case. Had we even attempted to secure the type of background information we currently collect, such as medical, psychological, family psychodynamics, prescribed medications... Um, and uh, as well as recreational drugs and alcohol usage, Doris would surely have shown us the door from the outset. We had no way of knowing just how utterly disturbing of a life she really had led. She had been disowned by her family as a young teenager and cast out to fend for herself. Just like I said earlier, but that was their quote. Um, The interview also reportedly revealed that Doris Bither had a history of physical and substance abuse with a traumatic childhood. Taff also reportedly reportedly noted that she was demonstrating symptoms of deep psychological trauma, which added to his skepticism. Okay, so they're coming at it from one side where they're saying maybe there's something outlying going on here and she's just manifesting or she's telling these stories. This is how she's trying to, you know, get our attention. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, okay, so because of this, Taff re- initially dismissed her claims as being related to mental illness and as a typical case of tormented childhood leading to deep-seated emotional issues. Right. Sounds, Understandable. Sounds like a psychological profile of this guy right here. Anyway, the initial reaction of Taff and Gaynor was reportedly to refer Bither to a psychiatrist at the Neuropsychiatric Institute. A few weeks later, however, Doris reportedly contacted them again and asked them if they... The, asked that they return because others were now witnessing paranormal phenomena in her home. Reportedly, the combined testimony of the family also helped to eventually convince Taff to establish a base for the monitoring of the paranormal phenomenon in her house. So, Taff and Gaynor agreed to return. And reportedly this time, it was a hot August day and the house was stiflingly hot as they did not have any air conditioning. But as they moved from room to room, they found that the bedroom was ice cold. Cool, cool. They also claimed to have experienced repulsive smells of rotting flesh. Oh, that's not ideal, is it? one of those things. That's that's just telltale sign of location possession. Bither also reportedly had bruises on her legs and in her thighs from the attacks again. In an interview uh, for a documentary, Taff also claimed that during his second visit to Doris's house, while they were in the kitchen talking with her, a lower cupboard door flew open and a frying pan, a skillet, um, all flew out and took a ballistic arc across the kitchen and landed on the floor. The pair reportedly checked for springs or wires or people or found that there there was no trickery. Nothing. No special effects. Nothing. Cabinet just opens. Pots and pans fly out. Wow, I hate that. Mm -hmm. So, this is when they decide to get serious about it. The pair then decided to officially start their investigation at the Braddock Street house, which reportedly lasted about 10 weeks. Taft then reportedly brought in specialized lighting, cameras, and audio recording equipment, as well as a team of colleagues from UCLA. The Bruins. Reportedly, the first thing Taff and Gaynor did was to have Doris go into one of the rooms where the most activity had occurred and asked her, this is how, they asked her to try to conjure up some sort of activity. This is how she would get this stuff to start. She would start yelling and cursing at the entities and taunting them. And that's how she could get them to respond to her. Oh, boy. Isn't that crazy? Just like Zach Baggins. Oh, yeah. Just like Zach Baggins, that piece of shit. God, we fuck that guy. We fuck that guy. Reportedly, there was an effect almost immediately. According to some sources, the team caught intense orb activity with spots of light flitting all over the place. There's a good, uh, there's a clip, a movie clip from, it's probably from the trailer for The Entity, uh, the Barbara Hershey movie, where you see the orbs going back and forth. I remember watching it when I was a kid. Taff allegedly photographed a variety of luminous anomalies, including orbs and erratically moving balls of bright lights that coalesced into the upper torso of a human figure. Oh, I love that. Some sources report that the torso appeared from from a greenish mist which surrounded Doris. 
Wow, I'm liking that even more. Mm -hmm. However, they did not catch the entity on film, but did manage to capture a photograph of Doris with a strange arc of light appearing over her. We will post this on our Instagram. Yes, 100%. Mm -hmm. They also claim to have witnessed equipment being thrown away in the room and arching in the midair. So, like, it's one of those things where it's like, um, if you look at the, if you look at the, um, Enfield poltergeist, uh, photo of Janet Hodgson, it's obvious that she's jumping off the bed, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. But this stuff arching in midair, when you throw something, when you throw something naturally, it, um, because of, it, it, it will fly in a parabolic arc, mm-hmm. right? We know this from physics, um, but if you throw, but if you if you pull it with like a if you pull it with like a string, it's not going to do the same thing. You know yeah, what I mean? no, definitely not. Right. So this stuff arching in midair makes makes it also think that it's 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 being flown. Anyway, it's being thrown. Reportedly, inv- the investigators thought the balls of light they saw, which were always in the bedroom, uh, they they thought that they were always just there. So they sealed the house off from all external lighting. However, they still saw these lights, which were now even brighter because there was no light to compare them against. Okay, yeah. So they were like, oh, maybe it's from outside source. Nope. But nope. Oh, no, no, now no, no. Now it's just even brighter and mm-hmm. more horrifying. According to some sto- some sources, uh, reported they reported that the frequency and intensity of, ta- of attacks decreased with time. However, other sources report that over the coming months, they discovered that their presence alone seemed to anger the entities. However, Taff also claimed that after their investigation started, the rapes stopped. But, you know, that's... Doris Brither claimed that she was repeatedly attacked by the three entities and that these attacks ranged from mild assaults to full-on rapes. Her teenage son also reportedly witnessed Doris being attacked by an unseen entity. I already talked about this. Mm-hmm. Um, but her other, her, children, uh, her other children also claimed to have seen the ghost and experienced encounters with the entities who bumped into them in hallways and even slapped him. Oh, mm-hmm. quirky. Her, us, her, her oldest son also reported that the activity intensified when he played the music of Black Sabbath. Oh yeah, buddy. <laughs> and then it made the paranormal activity strong, stronger. They also reportedly observed that Bither, her, the mom, was a heavy drinker, and that when she stopped drinking, dur- the activity also stopped. They also claimed that the activity was most intense when Doris was in the house. Maybe it's just centered on her. Yeah. Oh, it's horrible. The investigators brought in Geiger counters to measure radiation in the house. They also reportedly found that during quiet times, the counters showed normal level levels of background radiation, but that during times when activity was occurring, they found that their counter didn't register any measurable background radiation. Um, they also saw bright green-yellow balls of light, which they reportedly referred to as corpuscular balls of light flying around the bedroom. The team also claimed that while they were successful at capturing photos of some light anomalies, there were many attempts that failed. Doris Bither also reportedly claimed that during the haunting, candelabras were thrown at her. And oh. other mo- I know. How many candelabras do you have in your house? I don't know. At but some point, you enough. need to get rid of stuff that can be thrown at you. I mean, anything can be thrown at you. That's true. But hey, if it's going to be something, at least it's candelabra, because I do love a good gothic throwback. That is true. Very. I just watched Crimson Peak, and it was not great, but it did have that gothic feel to it. Yeah, visually, pretty cool. Overall, though, not that good. Kind of. I was. I was really disappointed. I was expecting better. Yeah, especially from those actors. And from Guillermo del Toro. Oh, from Guillermo del Toro. But she's got Tom Hilston, who's a good actor. Right. You got uh, Jessica Chastain, who's great. Mm-hmm. Charlie Hunnam completely wasted in that movie. <laughs> I completely forgot he was in it. Oh, my God. It's like, if you're going to have Charlie Hunnam, can't you have him, like, anyway, enough. I was going to say, you need to have him with a shirt off more often than that. I mean, come on. <laughs> if you don't have Charlie Hunnam in a movie and 60% of the time he doesn't have a shirt on, then you have wasted the opportunity. He's like Matthew McConaughey. The Just, one exception being the gentleman because he fucking rocked in that. That is a good movie. It's a real good movie. Yeah. Okay, anyway, back to the spooky. Anyway, the, re- the apparitions they saw reportedly started out as shadows. Oh, wait, did I get back to... Okay, wait, 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 wait. Candelabras were thrown, yes. and other objects moved on their own. That a fuse box was ripped out of the wall and flew through the air towards her, and light was turning on and off, and there were strange noises as well. So lots of poltergeist activity. What in the fuck? What in tarnation? Mm-hmm. Also reported was that when one of her sons went to aid Doris during one of the attacks, something unseen unseen flung him back with great force and that she witnessed poster boards the researchers had put up with duct tape for the purpose of investigation being torn off the wall by unseen hands. 
Love that for The her. apparitions they saw reportedly started out as shadows, which moved such as they were only visible in their peripheral vision, but then began taking on a human-like shape, so they started to manifest even more. Spectacular. They claimed that these apparitions wouldn't do anything at first, but would stand or sit in the corner of the room and watch. Oh, God, I can't take it. Hell Why am yeah. I talking about this at night? Oh, God. Neighbors also reported seeing, reportedly began seeing the figures as well. God. Bither's children also claimed to have seen ghosts so frequently, so frequently they named one of them Mr. Who's It. Mr. Who's It? You should never give a name to the entity. Yeah, what the fuck is wrong You're with you just giving it more power. You Why are you doing this? You dinguses. The children reportedly told Taff about the entity they called Mr. Who's It, and that all four of them had witnessed him on numerous occasions. Taff also reportedly noted that their depictions were remarkably accurate, not just matching each other's, but also in details commonly attributed to entities from his other cases. This ghost was reportedly the largest entity of the three haunting the family. Okie dokie. All four children claimed to have experienced being pushed, pinched, or bitten by a fog-like figure familiar to a human, but not an exact human. I don't know if you're getting chills. A not human. Fucking crazy. A not human. Uncanny Valley. Doris Bither reportedly explained how she was raped on multiple occasions by this larger entity. Bither described how the two smaller ones would hold her down while the third one raped her. These attacks reportedly left marks on her body, indicative of rape, including bruises on her inner thighs and her mouth. And who was doing it? Mr. Who's It. Mm-hmm. That's the one. Reportedly, after the investigation at the Braddock Street house, Doris Bither... Doris Bither got up the ability and the nerve to move and the money needed to move. She moved to Carson where Taff and his team had to hunt for her with the help of um, a man named Frank Defolida. Def, Def, yeah, Defolida. Who had formed a close bond with her as they did not know initially where she had moved to. Reportedly, when they went to her new home for the investigation, um, she was trying to keep a low profile and, we, and within weeks of her moving in, phenomena began. Oh, no. So it followed her. According to Taft, the same poltergeist activity began in Bither's new house, as well as in two hou- in the two houses flanking her on both sides. Oh, the neighbors no. reportedly began experiencing phenomena like a radiant effect, including cupboards and doors opening and closing, garbage being dumped on the floor, and the machines going on and off. Those neighbors, however, reportedly did not know about the Doris Bither case or what was going on in her home because Bither was still worried that people would think she was crazy. So she didn't give them any of it. There wasn't any, you know, there was no uh, inception or anything like that. Yeah, she didn't, like, knock on the door and say, hey, just to let, like, legally to let you know, I am haunted. Just to let you know. Court ordered. I am required by the state to let you know that I do have ghosts. Just letting you know. Taff also claimed that while investigating the attack in Bither's new house, they heard a loud crash and then a vase from across the room flew right in the middle of everybody, smashed on the floor and spewed dirt across the floor. Reportedly, when they played back the audio tape recorded with a condenser mic during the event, they heard deep breathing approaching the mic. Ooh, love that. With the breathing approaching the mic as they also reportedly heard a footstep, another footstep, and then drag repeatedly like a bad horror movie. Ah, fucks with that. Mm-hmm. Taff claimed that it approached that as it approached the condenser mic by his leg, that it shut itself off for no reason. The team did not reportedly hear any of the sounds from the tape at the time, and no one there was moving, and everyone was sitting in a little circle, and yet upon playback you heard all of that god the hair on the the hair on my face super good straight up super good oh god reportedly on one day towards the end of bither's stay at this house the investigation team were sitting in the bedroom and the lights were low having uh put up more duct tape with more boards on the wall like the boards they had previously been torn down so they're they're blocking the, the sunlight reportedly a piece of tape began uh, being pulled off the wall as if by unse- unseen hands, and very quickly the whole board flew off and hit Doris in the head. Taff even claims that Carrie Gaynor then said, Do it again, and it did, and she just freaked out. Oh, shit. Mm-hmm. Reportedly, after these events at the Carson house, Bither then moved again to San Bernardino. Taff and Gaynor did not follow her this time, but Defolida did and reported doors opening and closing, toilets flushing on their own, similar types of events, but a lower level. From there, Bither moved to Texas, where the investigators eventually lost contact with her. 
In 2009, um, they con- someone uh, someone called Ghost Theory conducted an interview with Bither's son, Brian. And he told them we all experienced some form of attack. There was pushing, biting, and scratching being done to us. There were about four entities in the home, and they made themselves known by appearing all the time. I think it took a lot of energy for them to do that. He also described the entities as always like a fog, like a human but not quite, and that they were very, they were never clear, but that they would make themselves known. Brian even described in one incident how in his early teens, when he attempted to intervene in his mother's attack, he was thrown across the room. So all of this, Yikes. he's telling later on as an adult. He says, not at not a full figure, but at times we could see it, see some of it. At times it would be annoying. We'd be watching television and these things would walk by like nothing. We were so used to the poltergeist that we just got to the point where we wouldn't even care. Brian also claimed in the same interview that they all experienced some form of attack, including biting, pushing, and scratching. However, Brian did reportedly contradict himself several times this interview, which damaged his credibility, although his younger siblings, when interviewed, did reportedly corroborate his testimony. Although, reportedly, when his younger siblings were interviewed, they also claimed that, like his mother, Brian also had issues with drugs and alcohol. So it's, he said, she said, back and forth. Whatever. Yeah. Dr. Taff, who has devoted his life to studying this and other extreme haunting cases, claims it was all a complex psychological phenomenon known as RSPK, recurrent spontaneous psychokinesis, or zero-point energy, where the mind physically manifests the perceived paranormal events. Hmm. He reportedly suggested in interviews that at least some of the poltergeist activity was psychokinetic activity. So it's centered around the mom, and she's doing it herself. So there was, I cannot remember the name of it, but there was a movie that used that roughly as the premise, um, basically just as like a science experiment. You know, this one dude gathered a couple different people and was convincing them that a ghost was real and they ended up believing it strongly enough that they made a ghost. Um, and it ended up like attacking them or some shit. I don't know. It probably had a shitty third act. I didn't watch it. But right. I, th- mm-hmm. I felt like the the concept of it was really cool. I think that's kind of interesting that that's kind of where this is leaning in his mind. I know the one you're talking about. Oh, shit. I can't, why can't I find it? Was it the quiet ones? Yeah. Was it? A university, a university professor and a team of students conduct an experiment on a young woman uncovering terrifyingly dark, unexpected forces in the past. If you haven't watched the quiet ones, you know, you, you got to watch it because it's really good. Okay. I will watch it. Mm-hmm. I can never remember the name of that fucking thing. I don't want to spoil it for you. I appreciate that. What happens in the third act, but it's worth it. Let's see here. Back to psychokinetic activity. Reportedly, Taft believed that Doris Bither herself and maybe even her teenage sons were causing the poltergeist activity and that it is internal emanating from some powerful portion of our subconscious, not the disembodied spirit of a once living person. They were the agents, the source of the energy that turned their world upside down. Their unconscious minds were running amok, emitting so much power that objects could be manipulated physically and audio phenomena created out of thin air. Man's just said superpowers. Yep, he's saying they have superpowers. Every one of them. Professor Xavier. This theory also was reportedly supported by the fact that, according to the claims of Doris Bither's children, the family had always experienced some minor level of psychokinetic activity, even f- even before moving to Culver City. Taff, however, is still reportedly hesitant to draw a conclusion on that case. Doris eventually moved her family to San- from San Bernardino to Texas and reportedly... Without informing Taffergain, they reportedly stayed in contact with Bitter, but over time, the contact between them ended, despite her claims that the paranormal activity followed her. Um, Taff and and Gaynor published some of their findings in scientific journals, and Taff also wrote about the case in his book, Aliens Above, Ghosts Below, Explorations of the Unknown. The haunting and the investigation also inspired the 1978 book called The Entity by Frank DeFolita, and then it was made into a 1982 movie of the same name with Barbara Hershey. And uh, Taff also reportedly served as a consultant to Defolita on the book and the film. Oh, nice. Bither, Doris Bither, mm-hmm. eventually died in 1995 of pulmonary arrest. And that is the story of Doris Bither. Damn, Crazy. that is an unpleasant life that she led. I know. After all that. Yikes. Yikes. But rough. very interesting. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Love a good haunting. Love a good poltergeist. 
I like that uh, sneaking in there in the final act with the, hey, maybe they were superheroes. Maybe so. Just a lot sadder and more upsetting version of superheroes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, did you watch the New Mutants? Yeah, I did. Okay. Just recently. Yeah, I, I did too. Um, yeah, it kind of reminds me of uh, the main girl. You love Anya Taylor-Joy. I love Anya Taylor-Joy with my entire heart. I know you do. Oh, man. The witch, glass, split, everything. I know you do. I know. You got a thing for her. Ah, she's a What is that one called? The the chess one. Oh, uh, Queen's Gambit. Queen's Gambit. Mm Mm-hmm. You love that girl. Ah, love it. Love it. All right, that's all I got, Dylan. Awesome, man. Well, that was a great topic. Mine was a cool topic. Hell yeah. Brought lots of paranormal spooky energy to this one. Solid episode. Fuck with it. That's right. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, brother. Hell yeah, brother. All right. Tell them all about our stuff, Dylan. Let me tell you, friends, about some exciting things that you've heard many times before. We have Instagram. We have TikTok. We have a Google uh gmail not a google we have <laughs> we have a gmail we had a google but then we got um some, some antibiotics and then it uh, cleared up yikes anyway um uh, yeah we have a patreon you can find us at too scared podcast uh the link to that is in our instagram you can find us on redbubble if you are interested in some merch we've got some really cool stuff we've got our classic logo uh, two variant or two designs of the WKRX logo, and most recently my McDonald's McDonald Triad shirt, which I really like, or more than shirt, but the design mm-hmm. that I really like. Uh, you can find all of this stuff and more if you just uh, take a look at us at our social media. If you guys have anything that you want to send us in terms of suggestions or spooky stories that have happened to you. Hit us up, man. We love it. We love talking with y'all. You can become part of the Insomniac Network. Super fun. Super cool. Uh, we lo- we love you. We love you. That's it. And we love you, too. All right, guys. Listen, we thank you so much. If anything, just uh, recommend recommend us to your friends. Split Share share the, uh, share the podcast around. Spread the good word, please. Spread the good word. Spread the good news. All right. Well, from Dylan, my co-host, my name is Jake. And we hope we've left you too scared to sleep.